welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminate our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, Tony Borum, past hey, Grandmaster of Kansas. Welcome to Historical Light and Masonic Podcast. Hello, my friend. How are you this evening? I am doing great, um, brother. It's uh, it's great to, to be on, and uh, I can't complain at all. I've, I've been doing just great. Well, you're not doing it right, then, if you can't complain. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it doesn't do any good anyway. <laughs> it, it does not. No. Now, Tony, you and I go way back, but there's some folks watching the show that do not know you. And if, if you could just tell us about Tony Borm, give us your Masonic uh, history, how you got into the craft, and then we'll, we'll dive into the other stuff. Well, sure. Uh, I, uh, I joined Freemasonry back in uh, 1984, and I actually was raised in a Missouri lodge. Um, it was a large lodge right real close to the uh, stadium in Kansas City and uh, not too far from Marriott Shrine. And a lot of members going through there. And the, the uh, it was kind of interesting when I when I petitioned and actually got invited to join, I told my father-in-law and uh, he says, I didn't know he was a Mason even, uh, which happened a lot with those older Masons. They never told anybody that they were Masons. And, and uh, but I joined the lodge and I was just uh, thrilled with the uh, the complexity of it, uh, the, the memory work, I enjoyed the ritual and the guys were all in tuxedos and, and lots of members and very busy lodge. And, and I just got enamored with it. And then, then my, my daughter, I uh, was uh, getting ready to start school and we were in the Kansas city school district. And we decided that, uh, that really wasn't where we wanted her to go to school. So I uh, talked to my father-in-law. Uh, he had a little machine shop, was a machine shop teacher and, he was getting busy and I, and I told him, I said, if you'll teach me the craft because I, uh, his craft, because I really enjoyed it. And then I'd move my whole family down to down to Parker and I'd start over a new career. And that's how I got ended up in Parker. And, uh, so I'm in, my Masonic journey actually, I went from a Missouri lodge and two years later into Kansas. And, uh, I joined as a dual member in Parker lodge and, and, uh, spent several years at, in Parker, uh, going up through chairs and, it was kind of a, a little bit of a change. It was a lot of change as far as what my Masonic uh, expectations were and things like that. But I enjoy my, my Parker brothers and, and I've always been an active member in Parker Lodge and, and I've been past master a couple of times. And, and, and that's kind of where it went. Um, as far as my Masonic journey uh, from there, I was a lodge secretary in Parker for I think 13 years. And uh, I, uh, and you escaped that? How'd that happen? Yeah, yeah. we had a uh, we had a visitor, uh, a uh, district deputy. Uh, he came to visit on his official visit, uh, and uh, I'm not going to name the names or anything, but he wasn't real happy of taking the positions. Evidently, he was kind of forced into it and didn't want to do it. And, and uh, I just thought I just was really uh, not too thrilled with his visit, but he did say a couple things that uh, somebody wanted that job. Uh, he'd be glad to give it to him. And uh, that was back when 
we used to trade or we used to go from lodge to lodge in the district and and you just pick your guy and it and just kind of rotated from lodge to lodge and i just knew there had to be something more that the grand lodge is doing that could help our lodges uh, because i'd visited some lodges and, and he didn't seem like he was real thrilled with learning too much or or, or, or expanding too much about what the grand lodge toolbox was and so i i threw my name in the hat and, and that's where it started uh don newman uh appointed me no uh, tracy bloom appointed me as district deputy uh and then uh, don newman uh, kept me the, the following year and then uh and then i became an area deputy uh that would been under Halloran, i think uh no uh that would have been rick Riker, and then uh Halloran from there excellent now there's people joining in and they're telling me that my street continues of wonderful uh board operation that i had no sound during our intro so for those who are wondering who this stranger is because i can't figure out how to put his name up this is Tony Borum um, from Tuscan Lodge and past Grandmaster of Kansas as well. But he says just call him brother. So that's what we're going with that's tonight. Right. That's right. Uh, so th thanks, Justin, and the guys at Gardner Masonic Temple for keying me <laughs> into the fact that it may have been better when I'm quiet. Now, Tony, we just heard your Masonic history, but this podcast goes worldwide and we are coming into the holiday season. And I am aware, very keenly aware, of how your first introduction to the Masonic Brotherhood started, and it was through a worldwide organization. Would you care to expound on that a little bit? Uh, I'm not following you. Where you're, where you're going with it? Well, uh, I understand that there's some guys in red hats that may have had interaction oh, with yeah, you yeah. When, when you were a youngster. Well, if and, we got time, I'll go ahead and I can go back and into that because that's that's actually uh, that's a that's a good story, and I and I I could expand it, but let me do it quickly. And, and, uh, and folks, this ties in because I know we focus on a lot of Blue Lodge stuff, mm -hmm. but this and it, this ties in, especially at the holiday season. So, Tony, please go ahead. So uh, I joined Freemasonry because I wanted to be a Shriner. I don't have make any bones about it. I, uh, I was uh, about uh, 10 years old, uh, three brothers, and we were all four put in a a a. a, a children's home in st louis uh while my mom and dad were pretty dysfunctional they were they couldn't take care of us and, and my mom was uh having some issues mentally and things that she lost a daughter and and my dad was uh pretty dysfunctional uh and my, my time in the children's home uh was real traumatizing for me but uh, at one point uh, i was separated from my brothers uh, they, back then, they didn't keep siblings together, in, even in the same rooms or houses. And I was separate, separated from my brothers, but I remember one morning, my uh, the cottage mother that took care of my age group, uh, she she set a Sears catalog down in front of me, and she said, pick a toy out of there. And I didn't want a toy. I want to go home. I, I didn't want to be there. But uh, she, she made me do it, and I finally thumbed through the pages, and I stopped in a, what I thought was a was a toy guitar and I circled it and she said, go ahead and go back to your room. And around Christmas time, uh, she said, get your Sunday clothes on. We had a, it was a Baptist children's home. And we all had Sunday clothes. And she said, uh, wait in the lobby and there's, and you're going to go to a, a dinner. And I said, okay. So 
I'm sitting there in the lobby with about, uh, I'm going to say six or seven other kids and, and, uh, a bus pulled up and these guys with red hats come off this bus. And it seemed like they had a red hatted man for every child, uh, every kid. And, and we got on this bus and, and it was obvious that they were chaperoning each one of us individually. And I didn't know anything about them. And, but I figured that it was, it was safe. And they took us down to a big building, downtown St. Louis. And, Turns out, I believe that was the Mula Shrine, and they had a Christmas uh, dinner, and uh, all these children are about the same position I was. Uh, and uh, I walked into this room, and there's this Santa Claus in the corner, and uh, I, and he's got presents around him, and around him, or right next to him, was this guitar that I remembered that I had put my finger on, had a red bow on it. And I just knew that these guys had got that guitar for me. And I didn't want a guitar. I didn't want to learn how to play a guitar. I didn't want anything to do with it. But I, I was so uh, emotional about that because I thought at the time these guys cared enough to give me something for Christmas that uh, they thought that I was really wanting. So anyway, um, that made a real impression on me and uh, it stayed with me. Uh, came back from the children's home when I was 12. Uh, missing two brothers, they were adopted out, and uh, got married. You know, I went through high school, put myself through high school, basically, and found my the love of my life. And we got married and had a couple kids, and I believe my daughter was around uh, four and my son was around two in '84. Anyway, they uh, we were walking into a Kmart store in Independence, Missouri, and here's one of those guys in the red hats. I never had seen once before or since and and I started talking to him I told him that same story and he said you know I, and I asked him how could I how could I be a, a, a Shriner and uh, he said well there's a path you got to take and there's you have to have to do some things first and and I'll help you and, and it turns out the, the he said I have to join him in Sonic Lodge and I said I'll do whatever you know whatever it takes and it turns out this man lived uh, we shared a back fence. He was that close to me. And uh, he's, he uh, helped me get through the lodge, petitioned the lodge. And uh, like I say, my father-in-law found out that I was joining. And he was a, at the time about a 40-year member, actually. And uh, it all went from there. But once I got into Blue Lodge and joined and got with these guys, I, I really caught on to the, to, the, uh, to the ritual. And I learned it real fast and felt like I was pretty good at it. And they thought I was, too. So I we had study clubs twice a week and uh we were running at that time in eastgate lodge uh, number 630 uh 10 members a month through that lodge and i was doing a lot of the coaching and uh and then uh, then when i decided to change my career and move to kansas i had to tell those guys you know i can't i'm gonna be moving to kansas and they wish me well and that's where it went but the fact remains is uh I, uh, I joined to be a Shriner and I found my, my calling in Blue Lodge. And uh, I, I am now a Shriner. I joined a few years back. I'm not as active as I'd like to be, but I still support everything they do. And, and, uh, and my passion has always been Blue Lodge. And how many years have you been a Blue Lodge Mason? Uh, since 84. So that would be. Been a day or two. Yeah, it's been, it's close. Yeah, it's <laughs> 84, it's going on 40. So. Excellent. Excellent. So, and I, that just is so timely for me because a lot of times the diehard blue blue lodge masons kind of 
kind of cast a weird eye on, on the shrine. And to me, that's always been such a great story mm-hmm. because if it weren't for those Shriners, that's right. Uh, the things that happened in, in the Kansas history and for Tuscan Lodge would have never occurred. And right. a lot of the differences that Tuscan Lodge is doing. And, uh, yeah, so, those members in, at, East, at uh, Eastgate Lodge, they were all Shriners, but they were all officers at the, in their lodge. And they took the Blue Lodge very, very seriously. And, you know, over the years, I, uh, I may have given the impression sometimes that I'm, I'm not fond of uh, the relationship that Shriners and, and our, our Masons have. But I'm telling you right now, we, we have to work together. And there is a, there is a place for, for all of our organizations, no question about it. And, and as you're telling the story, Tony, we've getting several comments coming in, uh, people commenting at the, about their love for you and, and the impact of that story. And I encourage everybody, whether you're watching uh, this broadcast live or on a rewatch, please leave your comments um, about what your thoughts are about the topic, about Tony's story. We love to see those. But Tony, that's, that's, you put your time in in Blue Lodge in your local lodge there in Parker. And let's move over into this Tuscan Lodge thing. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. Tell us about this whole affinity lodge, because in some states uh, where we got members watching they, they don't have affinity lodges so talk to us about affinity lodges and how this whole tuscan lodge thing uh came to be yeah um i started uh getting interested in basically i took a trip i think with you uh, on a visit to uh, justice lodge i didn't know anything about affinity lodges uh but i took a trip with you and i was really impressed with the uh with the group that was in Justice Lodge at the time, they were they seemed to be getting a different Masonic journey, right? They were getting some of that Masonic education. They were they were respectful and they were they were showing up to lodge in, in dark suits and and I and I, I really really loved that part of the Masonic experience. And then I uh, I remember I went to uh, in fact I was a I think I was a, actually a speaker for Mike Halloran in 2014 uh, in, at the Leadership Academy in Topeka. And his keynote speaker was Andrew Hammer. And Andrew Hammer, of course, uh, is all about the Masonic experience in, in his uh, book, Observing the Craft. And I read that book, I got the book and read it, and it made a real impression on me about uh, how it's important that every man, every Mason, uh, finds a way to get that Masonic experience that fits him. You may not be getting it in your home lodge, and you may be getting everything you need in your home lodge, and that's great. But we have a lot of Masons that aren't aren't getting that Masonic experience. And of course, our COA today, just like it was when I was uh, coming up through, the Masonic experience we understand is one of the most important things. That's how you keep members. That's how you keep Masons involved, and that's how you. That's how you improve yourself. And that's what masonry to me is. It's a self-improvement organization. We never want to forget that. And uh, so uh, in that in that book, as I'm reading some of the things there, and then I, I reflected back on your uh, Justice Lodge, I thought, you know, I'd really like to, to join an affinity lodge. Of course, I can't join Justice because it's, it's made up of the law enforcement. And I've never been involved with that, I, uh, but I uh, started talking but, to you. Tony, we, we know you've been involved with law enforcement, just not maybe <laughs> the, the way you wanted to be involved with law enforcement. 
Yeah, I have, I have had a, I have had a uh, orange jumpsuit off on, uh, for a short period, and I'll, I'll get into that some other time. <laughs> but but, uh, but anyway, I, uh, I, I was talking to you about it, and uh, and the more I thought about it, I wanted to, to uh, I, I couldn't find that that uh, affinity lodge that fit me, and it fit a lot of the guys that I knew, you know, uh, the Lee Hermricks and. Uh, and the Dale Morrow and and Craig Olson. I'm going to drop some names here, and uh, and you and and uh, so and Mike so you got to remember, Tony. That this podcast goes out outside of Kansas, so you're dropping names and nobody knows these names. What type of guys are you talking about here? Okay, what I'm talking about is the guys that were masters in their lodges, and that were that found that they had more to offer in in Kansas masonry, and they volunteered. And they put their hearts into being district deputies, district and area deputies. And uh, and I found that those guys, the ones that were district and area deputies, were uh, were the ones that were working the hardest to make masonry better, and and sharing ideas. And they were their leaders in our craft. And I thought to myself, and and I had this conversation with you. I would love to sit in the lodge with these guys that understand the importance of ritual. The importance of Masonic Ed, the importance of uh, of upholding the standards of masonry, no matter what state or jurisdiction you're in, upholding standards that we all expect in masonry. And and I just it, it was obvious that district and area deputies were the ones that were doing it. And, and and then I and then I got to thinking, well, let's how about the past district and area deputies, the ones that took the job, had it for a couple of years, and then and then they didn't didn't have anything else afterwards, right? Maybe they wanted to stay involved with that type of a in that atmosphere with those those like-minded men, and and so, so that that's where we got to. So these these guys that you're looking at, they're not Grand Lodge line people. These are like the appointees of the the people that have to go out and talk to the craft. Is that what you're that's saying? That's right. That's okay. right. They're the ones that are they're going to lodges, helping with degree work, uh, going to lodges, helping solve their problems, right? Okay. Problem solvers, and. Uh, and so, uh, and now I think I'll, you probably want to ask me this, but I'm going to go right into it. I was at a uh, event in Lewisburg, Kansas. Uh, I believe it was a past master's dinner, I believe. And uh, there were several Grand Lodge officers there, and one of them was Lynn Byer. Lynn Byer is a past Grand Master, and I believe he was, a, at that time, he was a senior warden or junior warden. I can't remember. Was it in in 2014. Well, uh, but anyway, he was probably a senior warden, wasn't he? So uh, I think he was grand <laughs> senior warden at that time. That time. Yep. And he gave a talk about the Tuscan pillars, right? And uh, and it really made an impression on me. And I think you even mentioned it. And we had a conversation outside afterwards about because uh, we talked about starting an affinity. And I'm thinking, you know, the Tuscan the Tuscan would be a perfect name because it's it's that pillar that we all build on the one that is plain to start with but we're working to make it better you know so tuscan was a was an obvious name now later on i found that there used to be a tuscan lodge but i'm not going to talk about that <laughs> we uh, we we kept the name uh that the tuscan there was a tuscan lodge at one time in kansas that was uh that was defunct and i think uh, had something to do i think they merged in with Neosho or something like that. We did, but, anyway, but, but yeah. this Tuscan Lodge would turn into Tuscan 460. Yeah. This is 
and we don't know necessarily the history of how the other Tuscan got its name, right. but right. this one was designed specifically specifically with the purpose that's kind of talked about in ritual work around the world. Yeah, and you know, uh, affinity lodges at that time at, in 2014 were just getting off the ground in Kansas, right? We had, uh, I think, uh, Justice did did Heritage Lodge was that formed at that time? It was. That was, I think, those were the only two at the time. And so uh, yes, affinity lodges um, had just started several years yeah, before just, that. And you guys from Justice actually got it in the bylaws and what the rules were for 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 under dispensation for lodges and so we knew what what the steps were to take in order to form this lodge we had to get 10 guys together we had to uh, get the grand master's approval for the affinity and the affinity was grand lodge appointed officers right and so uh mike howard at the time did some research and he found that uh that it was a proper affinity because it related to uh i believe in england or scotland they had a uh, affinity lodge for uh senior junior stewards that actually wore a, a, their own particular apron and uh so Halloran was able to uh to approve uh our affinity of area and district deputies at that point we went through all the steps we uh we we created a mission and statement we we did everything that we had to do in order to prove that we could open and close of course we're all district and area deputies and and that was one of the things I really liked about the group is that everybody could do their parts and do them very, very well. And uh, so we uh, we applied for uh, a dispensation, under dispensation, and we actually received our charter, uh, I believe, uh, the, the same day that you were installed as Grandmaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, uh, sorry, I'm playing through the pictures there. It, it's it was very historic moment uh, the way yeah. I think the Grand Master came through because uh, Mike Halloran uh, was the charter master of the first affinity lodge in Kansas right. and he is a huge historian I mean I'd, I'd love if we could get him if Alex could get him on this show he is a wealth of information not that you and I aren't but he's one of those guys I could listen to for hours yeah I have so much respect for him I actually reached out to him to help us design our logo even and he designed our logo for Tuscan Lodge and uh, he, he was, was very he is very passionate about affinity lodges and the tight-knit smaller lodges and the fact that he researched that just to make sure everything was uh, right. fit within uh, the ancient usages uh, of Freemasonry to get Tuscan Lodge and then he's the one that was able a couple years later to sign your charter and present it to you and install the first officers to me that's a huge deal yeah, we were installed. All of our officers were installed on on uh, April the twelfth, maybe. Well, maybe that's one of the It was anyway. It was uh, the day after. It was the day of your installation, in the afternoon, and we uh, we went to the Grand Lodge building and in the lodge room, uh, and um, Mike uh, installed us. And the and the uh, I believe Tracy Bloom was the marshal. Yeah. Uh, past Grandmaster Tracy. So, uh, uh, and it just went on from there. We've had uh, we've had a lot of members uh, come and go. Where we we assumed that we'd be in the ten to fifteen member range, and that's where we're at. One thing we did do, uh, if you want to go ahead and go into this, we did uh, decide uh, early on that in order for Tuscan to be successful, we had to have higher dues, 
and uh, we came we came up with a number that was uh, that was going to work for our festive boards that we planned on doing. Uh, it was gonna it was gonna finance all the things that we wanted to do Masonic Ed uh, and all those things uh, honorariums to go to different lodges and uh, and it's worked out real well. So our dues are fairly high for Kansas standards, but uh, we uh, we absolutely uh, when we have a meeting. Uh, it is an event. It's most of the day, and uh, everybody just uh, just loves to come to our Tuscan meetings. Now, Tony, for those people that don't know, because there's a lot of people that don't know, because you keep saying high high dues, high dues, and in Kansas, the average uh, dues fee, and I think across the North America, uh, the average dues are probably right now around between sixty to eighty dollars. At the time, Tuscan was formed, I'm going to say, between $40 and $60. So what are the Tuscan dues? Our Tuscan dues are a dollar a day. It's $365 per year. And, and I, I've and heard you say many times, if Freemasonry is not worth a dollar a day. That's then, right. That's right. That's what we feel Masonry is worth, and especially for our lodge. Our lodge brothers feel a dollar a day is not a burden. We have funds where we can do the things that we need to do in order to cre create the atmosphere, to have that Masonic experience that we all need, that we all crave. And, uh, and also we, we have funds for, for doing some of the things that we're doing now. Uh, you know, we, when we, we put out a uh, strategic plan in 2016 where we, we decided that since we had so many leaders in our lives, we're going to be more active in helping to train uh, future district and area deputies. So we were active in our orientations with the, with the Grand Lodge and trying to help to uh, make, make our district and area deputies in Kansas the most educated, well-informed, and, uh, and quality men that we can get into our lodges. Certainly. And I want to take a break right here, Tony. I just want to say a big thank you to Justin Staley. He sent 20 stars through Facebook that's a support uh, for this program. I'd also like to say thank you to all the Patreon uh, folks of the program. I'm trying to bring up that logo, but it, not sure there it is right there on the screen. But a big thank you to all our Patreon supporters for Historical Light. If you click on uh, the Patreon link, you can support the show. Whether it's a dollar, whether it's $10, $100, or a thousand, it's great. Uh, at the ambassador level, you get a cool uh, Historical Light t-shirt that looks really cool in the dark. But Support for lodges helps. Support for the show helps. We appreciate and thank all our Patreon supporters and those that are sending support through uh, YouTube and through Facebook tonight. Uh, just like to comment out, I won't, I'm sure I'll miss somebody. Jeff Black is watching live. So is Derek Hockett, uh, Sean Mullen, Commissioner Justin Staley, the folks at the Gardner Masonic Temple. I see Dale Morrow checked in. Dale Morrow uh, ended up, I believe he's a member of Tuscan Lodge as well. Tony. Yes, he is. Charter so, members, I believe. Yes, he is. He's one of the charter members. You know, Dale and I go way back. We uh, we were installed as area deputies at the same time. Uh, there was 10 of us, 10 area deputies. We were installed in uh, Salina and uh, we hit it off really right off the bat. Me and uh, me and Dale and Craig Olson, especially. And and uh, we were actually called the three the three musketeers or something at one time. But uh, it was it was obvious that all three of us had all these aspirations for doing the best we could 
for our lodges in our areas. And uh, we just hit the hit the ground running, uh, trying to help do everything we could to help our lodges. And then, uh, of course, at that time, I believe that was Don Newman. But the next year is when uh, when uh, most worshipful Rick Reichert actually gave our area deputies more duties and more responsibilities and let us be in on a lot of the decision decision making that was going on in the uh, in, in our Grand Lodge officers uh, because we had a lot to offer. You know, we had we had had, uh, had a lot of experience in our lodges and our and uh, we uh, we just kind of took over that whole group and and uh, and really pushed our area deputies into a stronger role in masonry in Kansas. It used to be they were more uh, ceremonial than anything else, and and uh, we push push our area deputies to uh, to actually be more active. And I also see our, uh, one of our current district deputies in Kansas, Jake Edmonds, is also watching. And for a person like, uh, we'll say, Brother Jake Edmonds, and new district deputies or new area deputies, uh, what does Tuscan do? I mean, like you say, you used to be just a formality, or you have a. a three-hour training and then go get them tiger but what mm -hmm. what does tuscan offer to to these guys well we have we have actually came up with three lanes that we we are working on to help train uh, our area and district deputies one is uh the art of public speaking especially speaking in a masonic at uh, masonic group uh you know you can't uh, you can't convince people that you know what you're doing and, and that the grand lodge is doing everything they can to help if you can't communicate well and so uh, we're doing that uh dale is fact in fact is working on uh a lesson plan for teaching our bylaws and constitution because again if our if our leaders our district and area deputies aren't aren't really well versed in our our uh, bylaws grand lodge bylaws and our, our constitution then they can't answer a lot of the questions that are coming up to them in, in the lodges and then uh, we also have a communication lane that uh, where we're uh, going in and helping these district deputies to deal with all the different modes of communication they need, uh, emails and and uh, and the uh, our lodge page and the M2 and all the other things that all the, the methods that we have now at our disposal to communicate with our brothers, all the way from the first for inner princes all the way up to masters and secretaries of lodges. And uh, so that's a role we're playing now in a leadership position. We're also uh, always available for doing Masonic Ed and helping out with degree work. Tuscan Lodge members have gone uh, and done outdoor degrees. Um, you know, we're not making Masons in our in our lodge. We're uh, we're strictly plural members, but uh, we're available since we all have uh, had the ability to do degree work. And as a group, we've done. Uh, in fact, we went down and did a Silverdale Quarry degree one time as a group as Tuscan Lodge. And so we're always looking for ways that we can help lodges and, and especially our district and area deputies be be better at what they do. Uh, and working closely with our our uh, Grand Lodge, our Grand Master, and the Deputy Grand Master when they when they appoint these uh, new guys and even the even the guys that's been around a while, there's always something you can learn. Did you freeze up? <laughs> there we go. Turn the microphone on. It's a simple thing. <laughs> you, you know, I used to work in radio, 
and they have a big switch and a dial and all these little small buttons and my old fat fingers just not not quite the same <laughs> but I, i'd like this to kind of take a step back from the grand lodge involvement with tuscan okay. lodge and since this is you know the the theme of historical light is preserving the history of freemasonry and the the first half of this show has been great but tony the, the thing i want to hear about now is describe to, to our viewers and our listeners what the i'm gonna say average or normal tuscan lodge experience is for a, a lodge meeting and oh. it, it's definitely unique and you know i know it's a lot of you talked about andrew hammer but going so Tuscan Lodge is an event. I'd just like you to describe that so we can capture that for the future. Sure. We uh, we try to meet four to five times a year. And since we're all busy, we all have uh, other obligations, especially. And we got current Grand Lodge or area and district deputies on our as members. So we try to work around all that. But uh, what we do is we uh, sit down at the, at, before the new master comes in and we try to decide what lodges we like to visit. Our home lodge, uh, where our charter is, is Ottawa, Kansas. Uh, and so we try to have one meeting there every year. But uh, our other meetings are, are wide open. We have, uh, of course, we have uh, scheduled meetings uh, four times a year, quarterly. And then what we do is we, uh, we try to, to pick a lodge and we try to pick a different lodge uh, every time because we got some fantastic lodges across Kansas that's never had that doesn't get, don't get the exposure and, and don't get the use that, that we feel they need. So we, we pick a lodge and we go to go to this lodge or we contact them and say, we'd like to meet at, uh, at your lodge. And, we, uh, and we'd like to do it on a Saturday or Sunday. We try to do it on weekends. Uh, we want to do it on Saturday or Sunday and we'll meet, uh, let's say at uh, one o'clock. And we'll, uh, we all show up um, and we invite, of course, we're using their lodge building, but we we pay an honorarium to, to help cover some of the expenses. Their their uh, master or secretary or whoever will open the building for us. Their their members are always invited to our meetings. Uh, we do have a requirement for a dark suit or tie and tie. Uh, we feel that that creates that environment that we all want to be in when we have a uh, Masonic meeting with leaders. So we uh, we show up to a meeting. And we open just like every other lodge. We uh, we have our opening. We uh, we discuss the uh, the uh, things that we want to accomplish. A lot of times we go right into our leadership training. We'll if we have our committees that are working on certain things, we might even have them give us a update and maybe a PowerPoint on what they're doing, and then we all give input on that. Um, if we have uh, members that want to join our lodge, we have a system where. We have a questionnaire we send them and we all discuss the uh, the answers to that questionnaire whether or not they're going to fit into our lodge whether or not the dues is going to be uh, a burden to them whether or not wearing a dark suit and tie is really against what they really want to be or really want to do and so we we go through all those things so we have our our balloting and we have our petition just like a normal uh lodge would for plural members and then we go into uh uh, some of the traditional observance things about this would make sure we have Masonic education. Uh, sometimes it's outside speakers. Sometimes we do it ourselves, uh, but we always get something different and we always have that discussion afterwards. We've even had a uh, had a uh, uh, debate 
inside of our lodge. We can get a topic and we get a, brothers to uh, take both sides of an, of an argument, you know, something simple. And then, uh, then we have long discussions about that. And then we, uh, one of the things that we do toward the end of our meeting that I really, really, really believe that would be interesting or good for every loss to do is we, we ask each brother individually to just, we just have this discussion. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? Do you need anything? Is everybody okay? And then we go around the room and even our visitors, we offer, we offer that to them. If they want to talk about what's going on in their lives or what's going on in masonry or what's missing or what's going, doing great, uh, they share. And it's, it's, uh, it's something where we, we build those brotherly connections to each other. And uh, that's, that's one of the things we always look forward to. And then what's amazing is we look up and we've been in a lodge meeting for three to four hours. And it doesn't seem like it. You know, uh, we I've been in lodges where if it goes 30 or 40 minutes, the guys are getting fidgety. They went out of there. But the, our brothers and our members uh, look forward to these meetings. They, uh, it, It's enjoyable. It has everything they want for their Masonic experience. And then uh, and then we close our meeting and we immediately uh, go to a, a restaurant or or we have a catered meal and we have a quality festive board and we have uh, just good fellowship at our festive boards and we invite our guests to go uh, and uh, and that's a Masonic that's a Masonic meeting how it's supposed to be sometimes we'll have a, a picnic at, at one of our brother's house and then we'll have a meeting at a, at a local lodge that's close to it so uh, the, the Tuscan meetings are are pretty much like most Masonic meetings except we expand uh, our Masonic experience to include Masonic Ed and also to make sure that every brother in that lodge understands how important our ritual is and we, we practice our ritual and we make sure we, we do it well. And then we also have our festive boards, which, which we always look forward to. And of course, our dues uh, covers all, all the expenses for that. Tony, there are people that listen to this uh, on not live, but they'll watch it afterwards down the road years down and when they hear you say it's just like a regular lodge they're they've already wrecked their car and you said <laughs> the lodge meeting lasts more than 40 minutes yeah. you, it lasts more than an hour it lasts more than 90 minutes and you're saying it's a regular meeting and people just can't fathom having a two hour or more regular meeting but yet yeah. that is a common occurrence at tuscan lodge is what you're telling me Yes, it is. And uh, like I say, I, I've never, we've never had one person that, uh, that say, hey, that meeting went way too long. We, we just don't because we, we, uh, we enjoy each other. We, uh, we listen to each other. We uh, encourage each other. And uh, there's always something interesting to talk about. And, uh, and we understand how, uh, how important it is for uh, a lodge, a group of guys in a lodge to not only act like a lodge but to get along well you know we we get along so well and we love each other so much and and then we share that at end of the meeting sharing that we do makes that connection even deeper and when you do that at the end of the meeting is that just for the lodge officers or how does that work no we go around the room and we just make a circle around the room and you give we'll give you give a brother as much time as he wants to talk about what's going on in his life and we've had guys that were 
would uh, talk for 30 minutes and we've had guys that talked for one and we've had guys that said, I don't want to talk about my life right now. <laughs> yep. And we give them and we respect that. Absolutely respect that. Now, Tony, you also said uh, you have, you know, regular Masonic education. You had a, a, a simple debate once upon a time. And I don't like to call Brother Mason's liars, but the first debate at Tuscan Lodge was based on is masonry a christian well is it a religion is it a religion, it religion. Masonry a religion so and you packed in a lot of people for that regular masonic education right right but and as i i understand it tuscan does a lot of that stuff has topics that might be just a little outside the norm uh and i know you pay for speakers to come in to talk about those yeah. things as well and that's the thing we uh that's what speculative masonry is isn't it it's uh challenging some of the things we do and trying to uh, get everybody's opinion uh about uh you know what masonry is teaching us right we uh we hear the lectures in fact we got we have grand lectures in our in our uh membership right uh we have guys that uh that have a working knowledge of a lot of different subjects uh, in uh, Masonic education. And so whenever you think, you know, whenever you think you're an expert on something, come to a Tuscan Lodge meeting and let us talk to you about it. And, uh, and that's the fun part of, uh, of Masonic Ed and speculative masonry is because what we need to do is challenge each other and challenge some of the things that we think we, the things, things that we do and why do we do them the way we do it. Uh, and that makes a really interesting uh, conversation. And uh, and you, but you got to have guys that are willing to open up and really give their opinions and, and put themselves out there, and uh, and be willing to listen to others' opinions about what uh, what certain uh, working tools mean to them, what our uh, what our our degrees, why we do our degrees the way we do them, and 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 all these things and boy that that really opens it up to uh guys that uh, that want to get as much as they can and learn as much as they can of course i'm just a blue lodge mason we have masons in tuscan that are that are involved in uh york rite scottish rite and all the chapters and all the other things and uh and they have some they have some extra knowledge too about some masonic ed and about uh, that masonic experience and so uh, it's good to it's good to get those conversations going, but that uh, that that debate we had about religion it that it was uh, it took us a while to get over, get through that. Of course, we never solved that problem, or, or we never came came to a solid co conclusion. But we at least opened that debate debate up and let people decide for themselves whether or not they believe masonry was a, a religion by definition. Certainly, and. Uh, just a few more people checking in live. I got Steve Zumbrum from over in uh, at Lebo. Lebo, here. yeah. Yeah, I've got. Uh, I'm sorry, Kenny Beeler from Colorado's checked in, and Steve was talking about they have time on their agenda uh, to go around in the room for sickness and distress, and and blessings and such. But in Tuscan Lodge, do you guys use a consent agenda? And if yes, we do. oh why we use it. We use it because uh, the business of our lodge is self-improvement. 
the business of our lodge is not uh, it's 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 something that we can get done quickly, so we can go on to the things that really interest us about uh, what masonry is. So uh, we use a, a consent agenda for our uh, minutes. Of course, we don't read. We send our minutes out by email. We send our our treasurer's reports out by email, and uh, and we get that all taken care of. And it's all it it just takes some of that mundane stuff out of our meeting. And, and leaves us that time that we want to use for more interesting endeavors. And so to lodges that don't use a consent agenda, what would you have to say to them? Well, you know, <laughs> I've been in lodges where those brothers love to hear the minutes. And if they love to hear the minutes, read it to them, right? Uh, consent agendas are for, for lodges that want to move forward and get some other things done that uh, they understand that the that the business of a lodge is different than than uh, what the lodge is there to do for the membership um, we we don't want to argue about uh, who's going to clean the toilets we don't want to argue about uh, we don't want to have a discussion about uh, the mundane or the the regular bills or the taxes or anything like that and uh, so we we use a consent agenda but i would argue that not every lodge does need to use one. If they want to uh, incorporate Masonic Ed and they've got guys, if their meeting starts at seven o'clock at night and they want to have Masonic Ed and they want to read the minutes and do all that thing, sometimes that meeting is going to go too uh, awful long for some of the older members that need to, that really don't dr like driving late at night. So it depends on what kind of time slot you're using or what, what you need in your lodge. A consent agenda for us at Tuscan, since our lodge, our meetings are normally afternoon meetings, sometimes we've even had morning meetings. So it's not that it's it, we can stretch out that meeting time, but we don't want to spend all of our time uh, worrying about uh, uh, fin the financial dealings of the lodge because we can all we can we can see all that through our reports and our our. our uh, minutes and things like that that are put out before the meeting now early on tony you mentioned something about a strategic plan oh yeah um, a lot of lodges i mean that's kind of a, a a business model thing things that grand lodges talk about a lot uh, why I and mean, why does tuscan lodge have one what's your thought about lodge i mean just my blue lodge getting a, a why is that important i mean the theme here again, preserving the history of Freemasonry. Does strategic plan play into that? Sure, it does. Sure, it does. Uh, Tuscan is is uh, not a a club. Uh, Tuscan is a Masonic lodge, and we have uh, we always at every lodge they should have goals. And we decided uh, early on that not only was the Grand Lodge uh, helping uh, to give guidelines and, and uh, ideas on how to produce a strategic plan. We want to be in the forefront as leaders to do that ourselves. So we we created a, a strategic plan that back in 2016 and it is still working. Um, but uh, I, uh, I in fact, I have I have a copy of it. Let me read a couple of things. I think it might be interesting. It said uh, it says our strategic plan is to observe the intent of the founders of speculative masonry. Our strategic plan is to deliver our members 
an institution with a high regard for the dignity and formal decorum not often found in our home lodges. So that that is something that we're striving to do. And if we get off course of that, if we say, okay, you know, I've got a visitor and he wants to wear jeans, you know, yeah, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Our plan is to always maintain that decorum. And so uh, our strategic plan also says we want to uh, create a unique and contemplative atmosphere for our members by providing a rich variety of Masonic education topics and speakers. So that what that plan does is it, it, it says, well, you know, we know a lot of lodges, they have one guy that does the Masonic Ed in their lodge every, every meeting or maybe two, and they just rotate back and forth. Our plan isn't to allow that to happen. We've had guys that can do Masonic Ed. I can do it. Dale Morrow can do it. You can do it. Uh, we have members that could do this. We could just rotate amongst ourselves. But our plan says that we're going to get outside speakers. We're going to expand uh, the Masonic ad that uh, that is normally done in lodges. And we're going to get some some new viewpoints. And in fact, different jurisdictions have speakers. And of course, this podcast has has guys coming in from different jurisdictions. And this this is a really good uh venue for for guys in their lodges to get masonic ed that they don't get in their home lodge well in tuscan you can get that masonic ed uh in our lodge because we our plan says that we are going to maintain that uh masonic ed platform where we can get we, we go out and we try to get speakers from outside of our lodge maybe outside of our areas and even outside our jurisdiction so with that in mind tony uh there's people that that always struggle and sometimes even the district and area deputies struggle when they get that reach out for masonic education or just that maybe it's help building a strategic plan mm -hmm. are the brothers of tuscan available i mean to, would they be willing to come out and help my lodge or our listeners lodges uh, do these things yeah, your sat saturday lodge i mean so how does that work absolutely uh you know remember we're plural members we have our own home lodges and we understand that those lodges meet during the week. Uh, I, I myself, like, like a lot of members in Kansas belong to several lodges, but I get, uh, I get calls out. In fact, Monday, uh, I went to Peace Lodge and gave them a Sonic Ed. Uh, it was great. Uh, it was fantastic because they had two young, new entered apprentices in, uh, in their building right then they were getting their lectures. And so my Masonic Ed was about speculative masonry. So uh, I didn't bring that as a, from Tuscan, you know, I didn't say I'm from Tuscan Lodge and I'm bringing your Masonic Ed, but absolutely our Tuscan members are just designed for that. We, we're, we've done it several times, you know, uh, over the years, area and district deputies were, were in, uh, encouraged to uh, do presentations at leadership academies. So uh, we have experience for that. And a lot of that leadership academy is uh, is simple things that can help lodges. And in fact, I believe we've some, some of us have even done how to create a strategic plan at a leadership academy. And we can take that knowledge and take it to a lodge just by a call. And, and um, you know, with the M2, with the with our database, everybody can look and see who our members are and they can pick and choose. Give us a call. We can come out as a as a group or we can do it individually. We're always willing to go to a lodge and do anything we can to help uh, help uh, their younger members, to help do some mentoring, 
some leadership training or some Masonic head. Now, Tony, if they want to do that, if somebody's from outside of Kansas, how could they get a hold of, say, you? Well, I, it'd be really easy. You can get on, uh, well, let's see. I think you would call Tracy. <laughs> Tracy and so, the, the, so, and, and he, can, so he, he can pass that, that on, especially from another jurisdiction. So this is um, one of those questions that I softball out there because this yeah. is Tony's easy way that he's forgotten to say, you could go to our lodge page. You could type in our lodge page, Tuscan Lodge. It'll pull their web page yeah. up and you can link right to them. You um, can do that. Yeah. But uh, if it's another jurisdiction, I would encourage to uh, them to uh, contact our grand secretary. And then he, he, he can actually reach out to, to any one of us and, and see what uh, we're willing to do to help uh, to help them. And of course, it's not hard. It's not far to go to Oklahoma to uh, do some Masonic Ed or some leadership training or whatever. I I wouldn't have a problem with that. Now, <laughs> one of our current Grand Lodge officers, I wouldn't ever call out Derek by name, of course, but <laughs> he is recommending that they send an email to Bloom at KansasMason dot org. There you go. There uh, you go. Direct so hotline to the Grand he's Secretary. Figure that too, then. He's got to figure <laughs> he out too. He certainly does. And then. <laughs> And I believe he's been a guest uh, at Tuscan Lodge as well. Yeah, and I don't um, mind saying he's actually uh, applied for membership for Tuscan, and uh, and we may be we may be even trying to ballot on him at our at our meeting coming up. Well, well, well. So, so we so we are recording this on December one, twenty twenty three. Tony, when is your next meeting? It's going to be December two, and it's going to be in Emporia. And, and uh, how, it's our we, I know you're in Affinity Lodge. Who can come to Tuscan meetings? Actually, any Master Mason can come to a Tuscan meeting. Okay. Uh, well, any Mason. Any Mason. What, what the requirement would be, of course, is to come with a dark suit and tie, and, and I encourage you to bring an apron. And if you're going to come, it's always good to give us a heads up, and, give, and uh, you can call me. Uh, you can go to the OLP, or you can... Uh, you can you can get a hold of a Tuscan member, and then uh, we can actually include you in a festive board if if you'd like to do that with us. But uh, actually, you don't have to be a master mason. You can be a you can be an inner apprentice, whatever. If you're a mason and you're interested in uh, in in visiting Tuscan, uh, of course, to become a member, you have to be a past dis pastor, current district or area deputy. And we always encourage as many of those guys as we can to come and visit and see what Tuscan is all about and see if uh, our group fits into the things that they need to learn or want to learn or, or want to be associated with. Um, but we we're having our meeting tomorrow, actually, uh, afternoon in uh, Emporia. And uh, yeah, it, it's not too late to, to show up. Uh, like I say, we have, a, we have a standard for dress, but uh, if you want to show up to the meeting, uh, great. We'd love to have you. We've got plenty of room. If you want to come to the festive board, it, it has to be an RSVP, and you can do that. You can actually do that through the OLP. And, and that's a really good good thing anyway, I think. Um, harkens back to a lot of the history of Freemasonry is that meal, having to make plans ahead of time, and the bringing mm -hmm. your own apron. That is huge from the history of Freemasonry. Um, you get that apron on night one, bring it. Right. Bring it that's very much. You know, uh, you can keep it clean and you can wear it. Just uh, 
yeah, we uh, we encourage to to dig that that uh, apron that that belongs to you, dig it out of that roll, flatten it out, and wear it. Bring it to the meeting. A lot of us wear white aprons, plain white aprons, and uh, that th that's the Masonic way to do it. It really is. You know, we have we have brothers in there that wear their district and area deputy meeting uh, aprons. We've got a brother that wants to wear his grandmaster's apron, and that's fine too. And we have Tuscan aprons that we wear. Uh, but an apron is an individual thing, uh, and uh, and if you have a past master's apron, if you want to wear that, that's fine too. But uh, we always encourage you to bring your own apron because we uh, we don't want to soil the aprons, uh, the visitor's apron at a lodge that we're just visiting. Uh, so bring your own apron, wear a dark dark coat, suit, tie, no jeans, and uh, you're welcome to sit in our lodge meeting. Uh, if you uh, need to be vouched for, or if you know somebody, that's fine too. Or we can go through the procedure just like uh, any lodge would do if they need to investigate a, a visitor. Well, Tony, we're coming upon the nine o'clock hour. Uh, got a few minutes left here. I see another one of our, the Kansas Grand Lodge officers, Mark Reeder, has joined in. But I encourage everybody, whether you're watching this live or watching on uh, a playback, Comment in here some of your thoughts about what Tony's talking about. Also, shout out your home lodge. Shout out all your lodges that you belong to. Tell us what you think about affinity lodges in general. Some people love them. Some people think they're they're not a part of Freemasonry. Uh, and I would encourage you, if you think that, go to an affinity lodge meeting because right. you can't. They're not exclusive. Just the membership's limited, and that's great. If you don't, if you're not a, in this case, uh, a current or past line officer of a Grand Lodge, go all you want. I mean, you can't be a member. Uh, you don't have to pay those those dues, but you can be a part of that experience. And that's great. That's the part. Tony talks about that all the time and some of his other topics is about the importance of traveling and mm -hmm. getting that Masonic experience. You heard that uh, earlier from Tony about the Masonic experience, and that doesn't exist in Tuscan Lodge only. It could exist in your lodge and every other lodge, if only you were to visit and find out. But, Tony, we are at the 9 o'clock hour. Alex started this tradition here on Historical Light Masonic Podcast back during COVID. Uh, we know that time was big for you. For those that don't know, Tony was the Grand Master of Kansas during COVID. And Historical Light Masonic Podcast and uh, the Kansas Lodge of Research, which Alex is the director of, started doing nightly podcasts and, and toasting at 9 o'clock, similar to tradition over in England. And it became quite a big deal. And it was very well followed um, because here in Kansas, uh, we couldn't meet his brothers. And sure. Tony, you were a big, huge part of those 9 o'clock toasts. So it being the 9 o'clock hour here in the Central Standard Time Zone, I would ask if you would lead us in a toast. Absolutely. I'm going to... Uh... I have one of my Patrick Craddock uh, whiskey glasses, and I've got my favorite here. So I'm going to just give me a little to start with. And I want to I want to make a toast to all the brothers out there that know that there's or believe that there's more to masonry than what they're getting in their home lodge. I'm not going to disparage anybody's lodge because I know we got some great lodges in Kansas and other jurisdictions. But I will tell you that you get you do want to get out and you want to travel to different lodges and you'll be welcome. You'll get something out of it. You'll learn some more. 
you'll uh, you'll get ideas on how you can improve your own lodge, and then you'll find out how you can pass those ideas on to other lodges. And that's what Masonic leadership is about. And we need as many many brothers as we can to expand beyond the master of their lodge and become Masonic leaders in our in our jurisdictions to Masonic leadership. To Masonic leadership. Well, Tony, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's always enjoyable to chat with you, the Charter Master of Tuscan Lodge. And we, folks, thanks for watching Historic Like Masonic Podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe if you haven't. Thank you to all those that are supporting. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber, and we'll see you for Episode 138.